0: Okay, so as we've been walking through these rhythms that define us, I think the challenge for all of us is uh, these are terms that that many of you have heard, right? You've grown up like hearing, you should be praying. Uh, we do communion every week. You've heard about that, baptisms. Uh, you hear worship being said, being sung. Uh, you're told to, to have a worshipful spirit and heart and all of that, to engage in that. Um, giving, uh, what does that look like? We're told what that is. Um, and there's expectations. And, and the same thing goes with reading our Bible. And I think that uh, so many of us come into a space like this and, and, and we hear a sermon. One of, the, one of the kids actually was walking in the hall and goes, what are you talking about today? And I think she thought I was messing with her when I said the Bible. Um, but I was like, no, seriously, the Bible. And that's it, you know, and uh, and I and I think for so many of us that is kind of our response to that, isn't it? It's kind of well, yeah, of course, and yeah, you should teach on that, and you should teach from that, and and all that, but but why? And and why is it an essential rhythm? For me, if I'm a Christian, if I call myself a follower of Christ, why is it an essential rhythm? And if I say it's an essential rhythm, why am I not doing it? And 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 guys, why are we having these conversations? You know, these these weeks, uh, you know, on these spiritual rhythms that define us. It's because more and more I hear from you that these are not regular patterns in your life. They're not. And yet, but what's interesting is our expectations of God are the same, aren't they? God, you're to do this and you're to do that. Uh, But then when it comes to what he asks me to do, I'm like, well, that's negotiable. Or for, for some of us, I think, you know, I, I would say for probably a lot of young adults in the room uh, that have come out of maybe more conservative environments and homes where you didn't have a choice. You were reading it, you were praying, you were at church and all of that. And now you've come into this space where you're like, I have a choice. And, and so now, because you can choose and you were forced to do something, you don't want to do it just simply because you were forced to do it. And so you're like, well, I can just do what I want now. And I can engage with God how I want to engage with him. Well, the reality is uh, that thinking will actually take us away from the original heart of why he tells us to do these things, which is what? Comes back to the first invitation that we talked about last week. The invitation, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. That is number one right? So that is the invitation. So as we go through these each and every week, you need to guard against uh, voices and opinions and feelings that this may stir up. And you need to go back to the purity of the calling of the why. And it is to Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and soul and strength. And so as we talk about prioritizing our time with the Lord, as we talk about prioritizing reading his words, it's in light of that. And, and guys, we need this challenge more than ever. We really do, because so many of us have either stopped uh, engaging with them at that consistent level. Uh, for some of us, we've never started uh, or we're confused as to how, and, and, and I'm just reminded how just the state of our culture, like how it feeds into this mentality, right? Um, I, I, was, I was watching a, uh, I don't know what it was, but it was essentially a little video, uh, and it was a life hack, right? How many of you love life hacks? Yeah, you're like incredible. And it was a life hack on how to clean this pan. Yeah, I know. But I got caught up. I didn't know where I was going. And I just kept going. right? And, and I have a pan that's really dirty. So I was like, what? You can just do that? And, and, and I think that one of the things that, that we have grown accustomed to is these life hacks. Essentially, they're going to give us our desired result with as little effort as possible. Right. And I think that the danger we have as, as Christians, if you're calling yourself a Christian, in engaging with God's word is we have the same expectations of God's word. We, we have expectations that it's gonna do all of these things, right? Uh, and yet we look at it almost like it's a life hack. Like, like, it, like there's this, this simple way to go around actually reading it. There's this way to go around actually daily engaging with his word. Right? There, there's some other route versus actually knowing the content, context, the author, who it's written to, what's going on in the cultural setting and environment. Uh, and, and, and so we try to find these shortcuts, and yet we have the same expectations and we want the same results. And that is a huge problem because ultimately what it looks like is we're not reading our Bibles on a daily basis, and we're starving. And we're confused, and we're getting our truths, our views, and opinions from places outside of Scripture. This is a problem. You guys, when it comes to God's Word, the Bible is, is, is incredible. And I could talk about the Bible all day. Lord willing, I won't. But I could. Um. You guys, it was written in three languages over the span of... 1500 years by more than 40 human authors from all walks of life coming from the middle east mesopotamia asia minor and southern europe and these these men they were they were kings some of them they were farmers they were historians doctors fishermen tax collectors prophets uh, apostles they were freemen they were slaves and 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 so we're we're talking a wide range of of writers and and for all of their differences they shared a distinctive connection What was it? The Spirit of God guided them so that the words they recorded were the very words of God. See, you guys, what makes the Bible so unique, so uh, special, so powerful, it's that these many human authors, they were inspired by one divine author, God himself, uh, the Greek word for inspired it actually means God breathed, and so these words uh, that we read uh, they, they carry God's breath. They carry His words uh, to it to us, and and these words because they carry His to us, they are words that can change and transform our lives. In fact, they promise to do that. Uh, in, in in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you're, you're there. It, it, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Is that not amazing? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome, Steve. That yeah. <laughs> That's cool that God loves me so much. He like told me what to do. Wow. Um, and that his words are working. Wow. I, I mean, guys, are, are you seeing this? These are the very words there. It, it, it's saying this is breathed out by God. It is profitable. It's going to teach you. It's, it's going to reprove. It's going it's to correct when you need corrected. It's going to train you up in righteousness, which is what, that's the train I want to be on. Amen. And, and, and that, that, that we may be what? That we may be e- e- complete, equipped for every good work, for every good thing that he would call us into. Uh, He says, I want you to be equipped. I want you to be complete. I want you to be ready. And you guys, that's what the word of God wants to do in your life right now. And, and, and I just got to go back. It's the words of God. It's not like, oh my goodness, we're, we're just like, ah, oh, well, that guy said this and he thought that. Well, no. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, 20, it says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so why is that amazing? It just once again affirms to you that it wasn't a bunch of guys like, hey, we should all write this book together collaboratively. Um, and they are out in the woods, had this experience. Let's start writing. Let's see where it goes. Like, no, they, they, they were moved uh, by the Holy Spirit, the messenger of God. They were told what to write. And you guys, what they write, there is no way they would write it unless they were told to write it. Some of you in this room have deep secrets, deep and dark secrets that you are determined no human being is ever going to find out about you. For some of you, it's your past and all that. You guys, what David, Moses, Noah, what what some of these individuals, what, what we see written in scripture about them, they wouldn't allow that to be written about themselves. Like if it was their will, are you kidding? I'm not writing that about me if I know what's going on, right? Like, no way. But, but once again, these were individuals moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was God-breathed. And so when we study the Bible, we're focusing and reflecting and studying upon God himself. There, is, there, is, there simply is no other explanation, <laughs> for the Bible's accuracy, for its coherency. Um, Dr. Henry Morris, he wrote this. He said, the, the individual writers at the time of writing had no idea that their message was eventually to be incorporated into such a book, but each nevertheless fits perfectly into place and serves its own unique purpose as a component of the whole. Anyone who diligently studies the Bible will continually find remarkable structural and mathematical patterns woven throughout its fabric with an intricacy and symmetry incapable of explanation by chance or collusion. It's crazy. If you really will study it. uh, So many people that come up to me and they're either skeptical, or they're like, well, I don't believe it. I go, have you ever studied it? And they're like, slow down, right? I'm like, no, you have to. I'm like, you need to study it. You will be amazed at what you see and how it works together and the mathematics within it and all of these things, how, how hundreds, thousands of years earlier, and then there's fulfillment and, and not only that, but, but how it was even copied and then carried on from the original manuscripts. It will blow your mind how they used to copy things. I could go on all day about that. I mean, we're talking, they had to use the same specific recipe for the black ink that they used. Uh, I mean, they, they literally would write and copy as they were copying. They had to say it out loud as they did it. If there were more than three pages at all that had anything that needed corrected, they, had to, they threw it out. Um, And and, and we we think about like, I mean, they would count the numbers on each page, where the letters, where where the words landed. They had to all line up. Every time they wrote the word Jehovah, they had to clean off the pen and they had to go take a bath and then come back and write the word Jehovah. Every time they wrote his name. I mean, it was like insane, their process of just copying so that we could get the accuracy in what we have as the word of God. And you guys, it has stood the test of times. Countless campaigns to silence the word of God. In, three, uh, in 303 AD, uh, Romans emperor uh, Diocletian, he ordered the burning of Bibles and the martyrdom of Christians. And literally... 20 years later, a new emperor, Constantine, proclaimed that the Bible was the infallible judge of all truth. In the 18th century, the French philosopher Voltaire predicted God's word would lose its voice within 50 years. Half a century later, eyewitness accounts suggest the Geneva Bible Society was printing Bibles in Voltaire's former house on his very own printing presses. And so... This is kind of how it goes, you guys, as each new wave of persecution comes, the gospel continues to spread further and further, and it just reflects the words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, where it says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Jesus' own words. He says in Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so if we want to understand who God is, what his purposes are uh, for us, for humanity, we have to study. We have to learn what the Bible has to say. And And, and, and so there's effort, there's desire that we need to have. There's a need that we need to understand and know that we have for God's word. And so when we talk about it being an essential rhythm, why isn't it an essential rhythm? Well, first and foremost, it's God's word, right? It's God's word. These are the very words of God to us. And you guys, this is also why you cannot separate your prayer time from your Bible reading time. Because I I don't know about you, but when I go into my time of prayer, what am I asking? I'm continually asking God to do what? To speak to me. I'm continually saying, give me direction. God, what do you want me to do here? God, this is is a situation. It's bigger than me. I don't think I can handle it. What do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? And over and over, he's got to be sitting there going, Steve, you have like eight Bibles. Like, pick it up. Read it. See, you guys, what is so interesting is how we will pray and pray and pray and we'll go, why doesn't he hear? Why isn't he responded? Why isn't he giving me the answers? And yet we refuse to actually read God's words to us. Like I just want you to think about that. He's literally given us his words. And yet we're like, God, talk to us, speak to us. He says, you are the most blessed generation ever. You have this all over the place. You have it on your tablets, on your phones. You have more copies. You have more translations. You have all of these things at your fingertips. And yet we're the ones starving. We're the ones crying out saying, why, why aren't you here? Why aren't you talking to uh, me? And you guys, what you need to know is the primary way that he's gonna answer you is gonna be through his word. That is going to be the main mouthpiece that the Holy Spirit is going to use to speak to you. It's not some de- dusty book that was great for generations past. It is the timeless word of God. It's the timeless word of God. And so you desperately, you, you need it, right? Uh, if, if you purchase something that's really difficult to put together, right? And, and some of you have uh, bought some furniture before and and you've tried to put it together. I remember when uh, we purchased our first crib and I had heard horror stories of people putting together cribs. And I was determined at that point in time to impress my wife and her father. And and so, uh, and, and they were visiting when we bought this crib. It, they may have bought in the crib. Uh, and and so when it came time to put it together, I, you know, I was like, this is my moment. This is my time to shine. And so uh, they go to give me the instructions. and I said, no, I don't need those. <laughs> and... Um, and they are like, all right, <laughs> you know? Now, at the time, in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they are going to be impressed. And, and so I got to the very end, very impressed with myself. And then there was one piece that was off, but unfortunately, uh, that was the most important piece. And, and so I had to go back and get what? The manufacturer's handbook of instructions, which I didn't want to do but I had to do it. You guys, literally, we have the designer, the creator of the universe, the almighty, all-powerful God who has given us his instructions for life, for whatever may come your way. And we're just like I am with that crib. Oh no, watch what I can do. And he's like, why? Why? You guys, this is such an essential rhythm that it's literally referred to as our spiritual food. Like that's the, that's the analogy. That's the description of God's word throughout scripture is, is that it's literally our spiritual food. In other words, you cannot say that you're spiritually healthy if you do not have a steady diet of God's word. There's no way that I can say it, right? Because he says, no, this is your spiritual food. This is your spiritual nourishment. Uh, Jesus, when he was being tempted uh, by Satan in Matthew 4, 4, it says, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In in 1 Peter 2, 2, he says, and and I love the imagery here, like newborn infants. Okay, what do newborn infants do when they're hungry? They're not like, hey, hey. Just so you know, I'm starting to get hungry. Maybe you should think about that in 30 minutes, okay? No, they go crazy, right? Some more crazy than others. They want fed now. And I love this desire, this demand, don't you? Like newborn infants you demand you long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that by you may grow up into salvation jeremiah even says in jeremiah 15:16 he says your words were found and i ate them And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You guys, this is essential, and and this isn't something that we just flippantly go, well, when I get to it. No, we're to desire it. We're to long for it. We're to literally uh, feel spiritually hungry if we haven't been eating on God's word. Hebrews 4.12 gives us another reason why it's essential. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that. Okay, so so what, what is it telling us here? It's saying, for the word of God is... Living and active. Okay, so so the word of God, we've already unpacked that the word of God is is, is timeless. It's, it's the same uh, yesterday, today, forever. So it's not time stamped for one generation, for one people group, for one culture. No, it's good then, it's good today, it's good forever. Um, and, and, and so we, we know it's timeless, but then it says this promise, and this is the promise that really just hits, right? It says, The Word of God is alive. It's alive, and not only is it alive, but it is active right now. It is alive and it is active in your life right now. What is it doing? It's literally getting to the core of who you are. It's getting to the core of all of the whys in your life that are defining and driving your life. And essentially what it's doing is it's revealing uh, what's really going on, who you really are at the depths of your soul. And it's weeding out motives. It's weeding out false desires. Uh, It's showing what is in alignment with God's will. And it's showing what's not, right? It's literally like a mirror into your soul. And so God's work is alive. It is active at work right now, uh, doing what it needs to do to bring change in our lives and in our culture, uh, what's so fascinating is we, we love to talk about, man, our culture is moving at the speed that is just unprecedented, right? All the culture, all the challenges that are, that are coming at us at a pace that we've never seen before. And yet what is so amazing about God's word is God's word literally is, is timeless, and yet it's relevant, That's what's crazy. So as culture is continuing to move, just as it was then, just as it continues today, the Bible is, is, is still timeless, right? So it still is, it still works, but then also it's going to directly be able to, because it's alive and it's active, it's going to be able to directly speak to whatever current cultural crisis or issue you and I are doing, are dealing with. It's able to to literally penetrate time and connect with the decisions and the struggles you and I have right now that we go, well, man, this is unprecedented. I've never had to deal with this. God's word says, I can deal with that. I always have, I always will. And so you guys, it is timeless, it is true, and yet uh, it is relevant. And one of the things that I find, uh, one of the areas that we get hung up on that, that generates confusion for us is um, people, generally, they'll just start reading the Bible, and they'll say, well, it says this, so it's endorsing this lifestyle. It's endorsing this decision. It's endorsing that way of doing things. And and I go, no. It's describing to you that. It's describing that setting. It's describing what was going on. In fact, a lot of times, it's describing sin, Okay, and so one of the things that we need to understand and know that there's a huge difference between description in your Bible and prescription, right? There's a huge difference between it describing a setting, a culture, a people group versus saying you should be doing this and you should not be doing this, right? And so we uh, get confused because we just don't understand. And so we need to study. We need to grow in our understanding of what God's word says, because it claims to be truth. Claims to be truth. Proverbs 30, verse five, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Wow, truth is such a hot topic, isn't it? And so what we have to ask is, is the truth of God's word, is that the voice that is elevated above all other voices in my life? That's the voice that needs to supersede. So it's truth, it's it's God's words to us. But what else will it do? You guys, it will transform your life. It will transform your life. Well, how? Well, one way is, you guys, God's word saves us. In 1 Peter chapter 123, he says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Romans 10, 17, he says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So God's word will transform us starting with it, it, it will transform and bring about salvation in our lives. Now, now how does it do that? How? Well, uh, Jesus actually tells us. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus is addressing this crowd, uh, well, these skeptics. And he says, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And he says this, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Okay, so so here's the deal. Jesus clearly stated in John fourteen six that what he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." So if I am going to be a Christian and a, a Jesus follower, I need to know that there is no way around Jesus it's only through Jesus. It's only through the work that Jesus accomplished on my behalf uh, and th- that I am able to be saved, that I am able to be reconciled with a perfect and holy God. So all roads have to ultimately go through Jesus. He's literally said, I am the way, right? No way else but through me. Well, how in the world are you going to learn about who Jesus is? Right? I mean, how are you going to learn about what he taught? How what were you going to learn about, uh, you know, I, well, I follow Jesus. You do? Well, how do you know what that looks like? Right? How do you know, how, like, the decisions that he would make? How, like, how are you aware of those things, the lessons that he taught, the heart that he was after, right? If you don't study God's word, you don't know Jesus. And, and this is a big one. This is huge. Because I have people all the time and they're like, well, yeah, I love, I love God, I'm, you know, and, and, and that, I don't really read my Bible much, like, at all. And I'm like, really? How? So how are you so confident? Oh, you know, because I said the prayer. And I'm like, well, that was a decision to, from this day forward, surrender and to follow Jesus. <laughs> and do you know what he first says? Pick up your cross and follow me. Did you know that? No. It's in there. <laughs> and so you guys, God's word is going to teach us. It's going to tell us who Jesus is. The very person we're supposed to follow and, 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 and to emulate, God's word is the one who tells us about him, you guys. And what's so beautiful about it is remember, God's word was also written by eyewitnesses, people that were there. But what else do we see? Uh, the transformation that it brings. You guys, God's word brings freedom. John chapter 8, 31 and 32 tells us, right? Uh, that, that it will bring uh, freedom. The truth will set you free. Uh, it will transform us through the sanctifying work that He does in our lives. In John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. In other words, the process of becoming more like God, sanctification, uh, the word of God is going to build that into you. The word of God is gonna work in your life so that you are on this path, on this journey, and you become more and more like Christ as you allow God's word to work in you. Uh, We read that God's word, it guards us. It guards us from danger. It helps us to identify danger, right? Uh, we're told, and I believe 1 John, to test the spirits. Well, what do you test? How, how do you define if something is of God or not, you guys? Like, where do you go? I don't know. God's word. It has to be from God's word. It gives us direction, guidance. It gives us, it gives us answers, right, to the, to the questions that we have. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, so we're, we're saying, God, give us direction. He's like, through my word, you're going to get the direction you need. I'm going to illuminate the right path that you need to go down. And you've got to trust me in that. He gives us wisdom gives us hope. He promises that he will bless us through his word. And ultimately, and I love this, he ultimately promises that his word is going to accomplish its mission in your life. Uh, Look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says this, Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? You guys, you know what I love about that? Is it causes me to once again be reminded that this isn't a disconnected book that needs to live on a shelf. It's a very connected book that needs to intimately live in my heart because by the authority of God's word, it has a specific mission from the mouth of God a specific mission and purpose that that he's designed it to accomplish in my life. And he says, it's not going to return void. It's going to do the work it needs to do. And, And you guys, is that not just a beautiful thing? Does that not just encourage you, remind you of why this is essential, why you need it? You guys, like it's literally at work to bring a Uh, to bring about his complete and perfect plan for your life so that you are equipped, ready to navigate and handle whatever may come your way. And so you guys, once again, just like prayer, uh, this hits me on both fronts. One, I desire that, but also, boy, oh boy, do I need that. Right, I, I, I need that. I don't know what's coming my way. I don't even know what the complete version of Steve needs to look like no idea. I don't know what I need to be able to face. I don't know what kind of opposition is coming my way. I don't know what decisions are out there that are going to overwhelm me. I don't know what interactions with people I'm going to have that the spirit of God has to operate on my behalf or I'll fail. And so you guys, by the authority of God's word, he says, I have a mission and a plan for my word in your life. And if you allow it to do its work, it will not return void. We preach God's word at this church, I pray, every week because we know that that will not return void. God will work in that. And, and, and guys, when I encourage you to, to daily engage in God's word, it's not because, oh, we're this legalistic church and if you just do this and this and this, all these things. No, like, no, I'm not trying to add to your to-do list. If anything, I'm probably taking some things off the table. And, and I'm just saying, like, we, we, we need this. We have to have this uh, because you guys, we're getting rocked right now. We're getting rocked and, and where are we getting hit at? It's our lack of understanding of what biblical truth is. That's what's killing us. The challenge though is we all think we know what it is. We're not reading our Bibles and so we're all on different ground. So what do we need to do with this? I love... What Paul says to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2:13. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this: that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is: the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Isn't that incredible? And so what, what, what do we first need to do if we're gonna study God's word? We need to first and foremost treat it like it's God's word. That's what we first have to do. This is not a book uh, on behavioral modification. It's not a book that uh, if, I, if I, man, it's just got a lot of wisdom, uh, good guidance for me. Jesus kind of lived a good life. I feel like those are some good practical takeaways for me. No, it's so much more than that. And so I, I, I am called to receive it as the word of God. So when I engage with it, when I have my alone time with the Lord, I need to treat this like it is God's word to me. What's the, what's the next piece that has to be present as we go into God's word? We're to receive it with eagerness and excitement. I love that. In Acts seventeen eleven. then he kind of throws the Thessalonica people under the bus. He says, Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They had their moment. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Isn't this incredible? So so we first get this picture that we're to receive it as the very word of God. So to believe it, it is what it says it is. Then second, we're to actually be eagerly excited as we engage with it. Okay? Okay. Um, And, and, and so like, like that's, that's the posture that we are to have is to, is to be excited when we go into God's word uh, so that uh, understanding and knowing he's going to do a work. Now, if we are excited about it and we eagerly anticipate that he's going to work, we see what they did next with that, right? It drove them into examining the scriptures daily, it says, so, part of me—if I—if if I'm eagerly exciting something, like excited about something, and I get very excitable, as you can imagine—like, man, I go all in with it. Like, if I'm excited about something. So, if I—if—if if, if I'm excited, and man, and you guys do the same thing. If if there's something exciting for you, uh, you don't go, "Wow, that's exciting." I hope the next person enjoys that. No. You you want to get all of that right, and and so w- when we're excited about it, it causes us to then study it, and we're called then to study and engage with it, so that we can accurately handle it, right? Second 2 Timothy two fifteen, so that we can accurately handle uh, the word of God, right? Um, and and that's that's what the expectation is, right? That, that we would handle it rightly. It says approved unto God, a worker uh, who has no need to be ashamed, right? And so we're called to be able to understand and know what actually the truth is that God is revealing to us so that we can teach it, so we can talk about it, so we can live it. I love how Ezra says, he set his heart to study the law of the Lord. And so we're to acknowledge it's the word of God eagerly uh, engage with it. Uh, We're to study. Uh, We're to uh, be attentive and keep the words in our hearts we read. We're to hold fast to it. Colossians tells us we're to allow it to richly dwell in us. And then Joshua says, I meditated on it day and night. And so we're to, we're to process. We're to work through Scripture like it's 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 to move with us throughout our day, right? Like like so, so. for some of us that go, oh, I engaged with God today. I saw this really cool verse and 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 it showed up on my newsfeed and it had an awesome mountain behind it and I clicked like. It was awesome. That's not engaging with him. No, like, like, do you see what it's talking about here? It's this posture. It's going before him. It's, it's receiving it as the word of God. It's engaging with it eagerly. It's holding on to it. Uh, it's allowing it to invade all of my life. And then I'm processing it. I'm praying over it. Uh, because ultimately, what does it have to lead to, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Worst sermon ever. Um, <laughs> you brought a visitor, I'm sorry. Um, obedience, oh, oh. obedience, obedience. Guys, there's so many incredibly gifted scholars, people that God has given incredible wisdom to and understanding in the word of God and interpreting the word of God, and they're not doing anything with it. They're having no impact they're not reaching people, they're not discipling people, they are isolating themselves. And that's not the calling on our lives. And that's not what he challenges us to do. That's not what he challenges us to do with his word. I wanna wanna really close with these verses in James chapter one, verse 21, he says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Who's deceiving who there? It's you deceiving yourself. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He'll be blessed. So guys, whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta move around to make this a priority, in your life, I plead with you to make this a, a, a daily place where you're spending time with the Lord. And, and as you engage with Him, guys, just some, some key things that many of you already know, but your preparation is essential. In other words, you need to, to identify where are those moments and times where you can be as undistracted as possible before the Lord. Right? Like, like that's, that's, you need to find those moments. As you engage with God's word, you need to read carefully. Read carefully. That's why I don't present these read through the Bible in a year plans because oftentimes that becomes a to-do list, a checklist that people are just reading a large amount of scripture and they're not consuming it. And so I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you don't hear me recommending it because I care more deeply that you're consuming and you're learning scripture. And sometimes the greatest times I have with the Lord are over one line and one verse where he just rocks me and I can't even move on. I just sit there and just go, man, man, God, that, that hits. And then I, and then I meditate on it. I pray over it and I process it and I go, God, man, there's some change that needs to happen in my life with this. And so then I start going, okay, what does it look like to apply it? And so guys, for some of us, if you don't have a study Bible, I would encourage you, you need a study Bible. That's going to help you with some background material. Uh, it's going to help you unpack some, uh, some theological issues. It's going to bring some biblical truths into sharper focus. But you also have to learn and develop and grow in how you read it for yourself, and you gotta be careful as you read it. You've gotta understand that, that, that you've gotta look at the context, the cultural setting, the author, the audience. How does this line up with the greater story, right? As you uh, read it. And, and, and we have to have a posture as we read it that we're reading it so that we can obey, not reading it if we think about obeying. It's a posture, right? And we're gonna meditate. We, we, we wanna have time to pray over what we read. Uh, if it's impactful, if, if, if there's an area that God has challenged you in, memorize scripture for it. I love that right now, our kids in kids' ministry, they're memorizing scripture. It's an incredible thing that needs to be a part of your uh, life. And then you need to translate whatever you're studying in God's word into action, applying it in your life. You guys, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible has one central thing, Jesus. In the Old Testament, it was the anticipation of Jesus. In the New Testament, it's the realization of Jesus to ultimately looking towards the return of Jesus, amen? And so you guys, there's, there's one unified message here. And, and you know what it is? I'll tell you what, all throughout the Bible, you're gonna see this problem over and over again. Humanity's got a sin problem. And the solution is salvation through Jesus, and so you guys, if we're gonna receive that message, we're gonna need the word of God to penetrate our hearts, our minds, and our souls. If we're gonna love him with all our hearts and minds and, and, and souls, then, then, then we need to hear what he has to say. There's nobody that I would say you love if you're not making a priority to listen to him. And so we have to take time to listen to him. And then ultimately, will you respond to the truth that he's going to not only reveal in your life, but what he's gonna call you to? And I pray that you will, because it will do what? It will complete you according to his standards for every good work that he would ever call you to, amen? Let's go, let's read God's word, okay? Let me pray for us, then we'll go into this time of worship.